bridge But it's time that I can't use Rosemary on the door In time that I can't use It seems like sage is all the rage With the hippies nowadays But it's fine with wine Rosemary don't mind That time that I can't use I can't use I can't And hello once again. It is time for another edition of Best Buds here at 980 WCAP. Being sponsored by Treehouse Craft Cannabis, located at 61 Silver Lane in Dracut, Massachusetts, and on Main Street in Pepperell. I'm Gary Francis, and every Friday from 5.35 until 6, and again Monday nights from 7.05 to 7.30, we bring you Best Buds. All right. Our guest today is one of the Grow uh, uh, folks. The uh, We'll get his official title in a second. His name is Wilder Sparks, and uh, he runs New England Craft Cannabis, which is the grow facility for Treehouse. Uh, Wilder, what's your official title? Well, um, you know, it's a real skeleton crew around here, so a lot of us are doing a lot of different responsibilities at a time. I don't know if I can give you a, a specific official title, but I've been involved every step of the way from, you know, the administrative stuff through the metric, obviously the cultivation, the cloning. Uh, we're doing pheno hunts right now as we're growing. Um, a lot of plant care happening right now. And, um, yeah, really, really, uh, we all, just because it's a, it's, um, it's a real, it's a real small, tight-knit crew, we all kind of take part in every aspect of the process. Okay, now when did you plant the current crop for the year? Well, we got out. We got out before June. I know that. Um, took about a uh, about a week to do. I think. Um, I want to say that we got in uh, late May. Late May. Week of May. Okay. And uh, when will it be ready for uh, harvesting and cultivation? Well, we really try to pick our strains so that we don't have to harvest all at the same time. We, uh-huh. um, Make sure to offset a lot of that stuff. So we've got some, we did some auto flowers that are actually already ready. We did some semi-autos that'll be ready, uh, you know, maybe mid-September. Um, we've got a few things that are going to probably take us to the end of September, beginning of October, you know, uh, provided the weather holds up for us. But um, I think really uh, the main thing was to do a diverse enough uh, variety that we're harvesting between seven and uh, ten weeks out. Oh, that's not too bad. Okay. Three weeks ago, starting mid-September, where we can get it all done. Okay. Now, we've talked to a lot of different people involved with Treehouse Craft Cannabis. We've talked to everybody from Wes, uh, one of the owners, to the bud tenders. Uh, We talked to somebody else a few weeks ago from the... uh, uh, the gross uh, station out there in Colerain. Can you kind of paint us a uh, a verbal picture of what you have out there, what the facility looks like? Well, we've got our you know pro- our office and our processing facility and our drying rooms and spaces to clone um, in one building, and uh, we've got another building that's just for the actual like processing and packaging of the stuff, and it's also uh, where we store everything. But the, the Really, the the um, the main attraction is about two and a half to three acres of you know 
full sun outdoor that's doing great right now. It's uh, you know taller than your average person, and it, it looks uh, looks wonderful and fantastic. Really didn't um, have too much trouble with the rain. I attribute that to um, you know the methods that were used and adequate spacing and adequate trellising from the get go. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, we've just got a big two and a half acre field of uh, beautiful plants right now, and they're in various stages. Some of them are full into flower and will be ready fairly soon, and uh-huh. others have just started. Now, when you walk around uh, the fields, I imagine it must have quite the pungent aroma. Oh, yeah. It's, I think it's a wonderful aroma myself. Um, we definitely tried to take things that will have a smell that's attractive to people, you know. Um, uh-huh. there, you get your ears... Uh, yeah, it's, it's for sure pungent, but it's, it's a nice smell. It's a nice yeah. smell. There's been so much done lately with genetics, and they've gotten these things to smell such unique ways that, you know, I don't think anyone could have imagined that there would be cannabis that smells and, you know, have the qualities that, you know, the modern methods of, uh, have gotten us to. So it's not like the old days of growing it in your backyard and keeping it from where the, uh, uh, the sheriff can see it. <laughs> No, it's not, thank goodness. I was just talking to um, a breeder yesterday, and we were laughing at the idea. Can you imagine if you had to grow corn in secret? What that would come out like? And what the things you'd have to be doing in order to grow your secret corn? Sure, sure. That, no, it's, it's, it's nice to have it, uh, to have it legal. And, of course, it, it's much safer for folks because uh, everything that you're, uh, you're growing and Harvesting and processing is all being tested for purity and whatnot. So that's all very important. Yeah, no, it's important to have uh, for, you know, consumer to be able to trust people. And, you know, with the industry as new as it is and um, coming from where it's coming from, I think it's yeah super important to establish trustworthiness, uh-huh. uh, reliability, and like show everything up front as to what you're doing and how so that people can see it. Because, you know, that's, that's the trend with, with agriculture in general now. People like to know where their food is coming from, what's in it, what's not in it. And I think that that's um, becoming more true of cannabis as well. Uh-huh. Now, when you say you have a processing facility there, how, what are you doing to the product? I mean, you're cutting it off, I'm sure, at ground level. And then what happens to it after that? Well, it, it kind of depends, but in general, um, you want to take it off of the stock and have it dry. You want it to dry at about 50-55% humidity for a good seven days, depending upon the temperature. And then you want to cure it, and that's especially important of outdoor cannabis because a lot of the things that give it its uh, unique qualities haven't fully finished in the plant yet. So you need to you need to cure it and dry it and make sure that it's, you know, the ultimate expression of the flower that it can be. Um and that takes time. It's not something that goes quick. So, you know, uh, a, lot, a lot of what we do is just getting that ready, uh, you know, um, trying to do the process correctly and trying to do it so that it's, you know, respects the flower and um, preserves the qualities that are in there, you know, when you smell it in the field. Uh-huh. That's um, really a big part of it. Uh, no matter how nice of a thing you can produce, um, once you've, once you've uh, gotten it cut down, and you're, you're preparing it for consumption, that's really where it begins, where you can really um, bring it to its full potential or else not, basically. Now, are you actually are you actually packaging it out there for the stores, or is that something you ship it bulk to them and then they break it down and do all the, the labeling and the packaging and whatnot? Oh, we're generally packaging it out here. You know, the stores have a really good sense as to what people want, you uh-huh. know, which we're kind of removed from out here. 
girls. Uh, we just, we see, you know, we understand the kind of flowers people want, but the format is something that the people who are running, you know, these businesses really do know because they see people every day coming in and asking for specific things. So they kind of let us know what, uh, you know, is doing well, and we try to put it in that format for them. Okay. Now, you're not doing anything... You're doing primarily pre-rolls and flour. You're not uh, making your own tinctures and whatnot at this point, right? Not yet. Not yet, no. Okay. Um, And actually, to be honest with you, I think bringing outdoor flour to the market is a really... It's an important thing because a lot of the businesses that have started, and I'm sure people who've been involved with outdoor grows this will resonate with, a lot of the time they end up having to turn that product into something that can become a concentrate because it's just too hard to get it to market as what it needs to be. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, we're, we're really trying to prioritize bringing, uh, you know, the flower as it is in its natural form to, to people. And that's, you know, that's really our goal is to be able to do that from an outdoor standpoint, which is more challenging than you might initially think, uh, not being aware of, you know, the circumstances that uh, well, just, you know, the rules and regulations and the necessary things that we all have to do to sure. do that. Now, do you do your own testing there, or is that done by an independent lab? Um, all testing in Massachusetts has to be done by an independent lab that's registered with the CCC so that, um, you know, again, it's just part of that consumer uh, confidence thing to make sure that it's a, an established thing that we go through the same thing in order to just to show that it's uh, up to standards, up to the high standards that... Um, you know, the state expects. Okay, okay. Now, how big a facility do you have and how many acres? When I think of a, of a, of a farm growing product, uh, you know, for retail, I'm, I'm thinking of like, you know, uh, a 50-acre cornfield or a 200-acre wheat field. Are we talking something that big or are we talking something um, much smaller? Yeah. It's much smaller than that currently. Um it's about two and a half, three acres that we're working with. That's just just flour, and um, oh, that has potential in a space like that to yield well over four thousand pounds, depending upon how it's done. And that, for the size operation that we have and the people that we're working with, we've got our hands full just uh, processing that, making sure it comes to the market. There's been a few larger operations, you know, and just you know, just say larger operations that where they've grown a lot of product. I know some people um, who grew. 10 acres that they were not able to harvest because oh. they didn't have a big enough crew and big enough and the process wasn't refined enough. The thing about cannabis processing is that we're about, uh, I would estimate, 50 years behind technology-wise where everything else in agriculture is because obviously uh, uh, it's... I see. And so we're, we're, we're playing catch up and we're trying to learn our lessons from, uh, you know, adjacent industries. Okay. Now, do you have any particular problems out there with certain kinds of pests, be they, uh, you know, bugs or deer or bears or raccoons or whatever? Um, I would I would say no. We were always looking for, you know, um, corn borer uh, caterpillars and stuff like that, trying to keep them away. But um, our goal has really been to preserve, like, plant health from the get-go because that's a lot easier than playing catch-up when something does go wrong. So we're really trying to focus on keeping it tidy as is. Um, we've got a big gate, you know, it keeps the animals out for the most part. It would be interesting to see a bear at the farm <laughs> at some point. But, um, I, understand that, I understand that uh, cannabis is like a candy for a deer. 
Um, well, my experience uh, growing previously when I, when I used to work in California was that they love the leaves, but depending upon the terpene profile of the flower, they will not mess with that flower because, ah. you know, as you know, the, uh, the way, the reason that cannabis is the way it is was actually to be a deterrent. Like, you know, all, all of the cannabinoids and stuff and the terpenes that are in it was to be a deterrent for uh, pests. Originally, that's why it evolved, you know, to the point where we started hybridizing it and turning it into our own thing as humans. But, um... Yeah, uh, they, they will mess with the plants. They can't get into our fence. It's too high for them to jump. <laughs> but they would if they could. They would eat those green leaves for sure. Ah, gotcha. We're speaking to Wilder Sparks, and he uh, runs the grow facility for Treehouse Craft Cannabis, New England Craft Cannabis, out in Coleraine, Massachusetts, out in the western part of the state. And uh, Treehouse Craft Cannabis stores are located at 61 Silver Lane in Dracut, open uh, Monday through Saturday from 9 to 10, Sundays from 10 to 6, also 112 Main Street in Pepperell. And Pepperell is open uh, Monday through Saturday from 8 to 10, and from Sundays from 10 to 7. And you can go to their website, visit treehousema.com. Let's talk about the actual uh, grow process, Wilder. Uh, do you start from seeds, or do you start like the way people do with their peppers and their tomatoes by starting from plants and seedlings? Well, we um, we have two methods. We'll start from seeds, and we then we will clone uh, the mothers. We'll, we'll turn those seedlings into um, you know mother plants, and we'll take clones from them, which basically just involves cutting off a three or four inch section of the plant, some of the top, so the apical meristem is like fully uh, you know exposed to light. You cut a slit in it, and you put you um, put it into a space where like moisture will. Uh, be present eventually if you put it under the right conditions with warmth and constant moisture and enough breathability in your medium, it will start growing roots. Oh. And all those roots will be, unlike seeds, all those roots will be, all those plants from those uh, clones will be identical. Exactly oh. the same. Unlike okay. seeds, expression. Oh, interesting. Now, do you have to fertilize it or does it naturally fertilize itself or? Well, it was, um, we, um, there's ways, there's different ways of doing it, but what we found the most economical and kind of the most natural and in tune with the way the plant wants to grow anyway is to amend it, which is just to put things, to put, um, you know, nutrients in the field, things like blood meal or like shells, things like that. You um, just plow it in, you have your soil tested to find out what you need, and uh, you'll, you'll put it, you'll, so the, basically the, all the nutrients are available in the plant, are in the soil for the plant, uh-huh. so we don't have to, we don't have to go and walk individually with fertilizer oh okay now what about water uh how much water does a a cannabis plant consume does it consume a lot or a little or uh the bigger they get the more they consume you know um uh i've been in situations where a plant can want 10 gallons of water every other day i don't think that's what our plants are experiencing and they're also in the ground and not in pots so it's a little different because there's like a natural level of water in the ground but uh-huh. the bigger they get they consume quite a lot fortunately this year i don't think we're gonna have to worry about water i don't think so no not at all now can there be too much water i mean certainly parts of vermont which is okay. not too far north of you there uh has had so much water that the ground is just completely saturated uh, corn growers have mentioned that they've lost their entire crop for the year because they just got waterlogged uh is, has that been a problem, or can that be a problem? 
It absolutely can be a problem. Luckily for us, it hasn't been because we're on a hillside and we've, we have good drainage and we tilled the soil properly and amended it properly. It's oh. raining for us. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. But um, it absolutely can be a problem. If you think about it, it's a lot easier to kill most things with too much water than too little. And that's true of cannabis as well. Ah, I know with house plants, if it starts to turn yellow, it means you've watered it too much. Is it the same thing with cannabis? Well, that's cannabis turns yellow for a host of reasons, but that definitely can be one of them. And it could also start to droop and sag. And ah. Looks well, yeah. Um, it can just become waterlogged. They, they like a chance to dry out and get that water again. They like the cycles. Uh-huh. like that, but cannabis. Now, I've certainly seen where uh, cannabis plants can get very large. Do those have to be staked, or do you have some kind of a system like uh, like grape growers have, where they uh, they have them oh, growing up trellises and up vines and up ropes and stuff? We do, we do. Um, while they were young, and we were very glad to have gotten this done before they got too big this year, um, while they were young, we put stakes in over the rows, and then we stretched trellis netting about four uh, feet up so the plants were able to grow through it, which is a lot more supportive for them than putting it on and trying to stick them through. And uh, that supports them because, like you said, you know they get pretty big, and then once it rains and you've got flowers on it, those flowers act as a sponge, and they can weigh four or five times the amount. Oh, wow. Now, tell us a little bit about your background. How did you get into this? Um, well, I was uh, around 2012. I was living in Hawaii, and I had an opportunity to go work for some people in California in the medical industry. Um, and uh, so I went and did that and uh, did well and bought my own farm. I was working for a place called uh, LA Confidential Care out there, which is a dispensary on Melrose in Los Angeles. But I was growing for them up in Northern California, doing much what I'm doing here now for these guys. Um, and, you know, when you're doing that and you're kind of on your own, which a lot of these farms can be pretty isolated, uh, you've got to learn You've got to learn quick. So, uh, you know, we took, we took that opportunity to um, really try to, like, master the subject and understand every aspect of it. So, uh-huh. so I've, been, I've been doing – I did that for about five years. There was, unfortunately – Horrible forest fires in the area where my farm uh, was, and we survived, but I had promised my spouse, we had a kid at the time, and I promised her, if we make it through this, we can move back to Massachusetts, where we're both from. <laughs> and so that's, that's what brings me back home, really. Now, do you have to bring in harvesters? I know uh, the apple orchard people and the peach orchard people, uh, they have traveling harvesters who will go around and from farm to farm and uh, do the harvesting because they have to get it all off the trees at the same time. Is it the same thing? Are there are nomads or whatever traveling around uh, doing the harvesting, or is that all done uh, with your own staff? Well, it's not, in Massachusetts, um, anybody who wants to work for a cannabis facility has to do a background check and has to get like kind of jump through some more hoops than you would have to to just be um, an ag worker in general. So it's a little harder to find people uh, to do it, but um, yeah, we do hire on seasonal labor. We would love to be able to do it with our own staff, but unfortunately 4,000 pounds, even with equipment is, um, isn't manageable for six people. So um yeah, we end up we end up we end up hiring out uh, you know seasonal labor. We get a lot of people who are like off from school or um, you know it is, we're still looking for temporary uh, you know it's temporary work. 
So, um, yeah, we're, we're actually hiring hiring now. If anybody wants to give us a call and, like, you know, fill out an application. Oh, there you go. Love to have you. Sure. Now, you have a website of your own separate from the Treehouse site, correct? Um, uh, I'm our social media guy manages that. Oh, okay. On there. I believe it's just a Facebook uh, site, but um, we're working on getting that, uh, you know, more up to snuff. Okay, okay. I think that Wes had mentioned it, and uh, but I'm sure if you go to the uh, visit treehousema.com, there's probably a link to it, so you can certainly uh, get there yeah, that way. There, you can see what we're doing here. We've been recording it. I'm just not sure how far along it is. At the sure, moment. but yeah, no, we are definitely doing that. Now, what about visitors? Do you uh, allow visitors to come out and uh, and see how it's done? We do. We actually, one of the people that we got seeds from just came and visited yesterday, and he was he was really moved, actually, to see, like, his work that he's been working at for 30 years get reproduced on this scale, you know, to see that many of his plants, like, you know, being, like, again, in the open, uh, legal, not trying to hide anything from it, because he's been working on this, you know, for decades, and so... Um, huh. He's able to come visit and see it, and we've had we've had uh, other people who are tangentially involved with the project come and see it and visit. It's 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 permitted, provided they you know fill out the form of that. Sure, sure, okay. We've been speaking with uh, Wilder Sparks. He uh, runs the Grow facility out in Coleraine, Massachusetts, New England Craft Cannabis, which is part of Treehouse Craft Cannabis. To get to the website, go to visit treehousema.com. Make sure you stop by their stores located at 61 Silver Lane in Dracut. They're, uh, they're a unique facility. They have the bud tenders uh, at, at both locations who can kind of advise you and steer you in the right direction. Whether you're looking for flour or whether you're looking for baked goods or uh, seltzers or tinctures or salves or creams. They have it all and they can tell you all about it. Once again, 61 Silver Lane. That's off Route 113 in Dracut. They're open Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m., Sundays from 10 to 6. Their second location is 112 Main Street in Pepperell. Pepperell is open Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., and Sundays from 10 to 7. And again, the website is visittreehousema.com. Uh, stop in and see them. They have live entertainment at times on the weekend. And uh, you'll see the schedule for that on the website also. You can also order through the website. Wilder, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it today. And uh, we hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you, and thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and definitely go give those guys, uh, go check those guys out. They got a beautiful operation out there. They certainly do. Okay, thank you very much. That wraps up another edition of Treehouse Craft Cannabis's Best Buds program here at 980 WCAP and worldwide on all the podcast platforms. Once again, the show is broadcast on Fridays at five thirty-five till six o'clock. And again on Mondays, an instant replay from 7.05 until 7.30 p.m. I'm Gary Francis. Thanks for joining us. Hope to see you again next time on Best Buds. But it's fine with wine, rosemary, don't mind that time that I can't use. I can't use. I can't.